Take a look on back a few decades past To a simpler time to be When your cares were tied To a phone car ride And the next show on TV So crank on up your boombox jams And flip your tape to the beside We're going back to class on this podcast Back to the time on 80s high in a lot of parts of the world right now it's cold and you just want to get warm you want to get snug you want to be in a nice safe comfortable place right i mean yes it's taking me back to an activity that i think we all did as children and so i want to talk about the joy of building forts Okay. So I know this isn't specifically 80s, but I'm going to talk about my childhood. I grew up in the 80s. But I think we can all relate to it. Like this inclination to want to build a fort to have this little space of your own. So that's what we're going to talk about. Building forts. (laughs) I love this. Welcome back, everybody, to 80s High, the podcast that revisits the best stuff from the 1980s. We're your hosts. I'm Ben. Only the best, by the way. I'm Chris. <laughs> and this is 80s High. Chris, there are two things I want to get into into homeroom this week. Oh, you have an agenda for homeroom. Gosh, I thought we were just going <laughs> to sit here and chat. All right, teacher's pet, let's go. I am on cloud nine this week because our listeners don't know this, but in real time, as we've produced this show, this week is the first time we have heard the final cut of our theme song. Yeah, we just got the cut this afternoon, the very last cut. It's great. We're so pleased with it. I mean, like you said, I know this audience has been singing this out loud. There's already kids doing it for their school plays. I know it's old news to everybody. Yeah, I think this has been like... Breaking the charts on tip. Uh, I almost a, said a Tinder. I almost said tip top. <laughs> tip top. That's what the kids are listening to these days. Is tip top. <laughs> the kids on the tip top. How about TikTok? That'll work too. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> or maybe tip top is like the best of TikTok, right? Oh, the tip like top. You want to get to the tip top of TikTok. Ooh. See? It all comes full circle here in homeroom. So that's been groovy. And then uh, I really wanted to immerse myself in this week's topic. What do you see in my screen? Yes, so listeners cannot see this, but I, recording with Ben, can see in his normally murder basement. I mean, it's still there, but thankfully it's obstructed by what appears to be a very fantastic fort. Yes. Ben goes full method. He is inside a fort right now, recording this episode. He's got a little light. He's got like a little sheet door behind him. Still enough visibility so I can keep an eye on him, but uh, right. <laughs> his yeah, safety. You, you can see over my shoulder if anything is crawling. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this is totally in keeping with Ben's spirit. He's all in on everything, and I love it. It's fantastic. I wish only that everyone could see it. Thank you. And I tried to go with the spirit of, of found materials, so I have a t- an old TV box. This is a tablecloth. Is above everything. Oh, okay. And I don't know what you call this piece of furniture. It's like the thing you put in the corner of a room when you're embarrassed to change. To get naked in front of other people? It's like one of those little folding room separators, like a screen. Yeah, I don't know what you call it, but it's that thing. Room separator, screen thing. Let's go with that. Uh, So I'm excited. I'm uh, I'm exhibiting this one. I am recording a (laughs) podcast about a fort from a fort. Uh, So let's do it. I'm ready. It doesn't get any more amazing than that. Attention, 80s high. Like, greetings and salutations. This is Heather taking over for, like, Heather, here with Ferris, bringing you the homeroom announcements for today, Friday the 13th. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. With quarterly exams coming up, Mr. Miyagi wants to be sure you keep up on your homework. So, like, to ace your exams, follow... 80s High Podcast on Instagram. Join the like study group at 80s High Podcast at gmail.com. And if you're a teacher's pet, like give a five star evaluation. Ooh! I'll have what she's having. 
Today's lunch will be delivered to the lunchroom by Mystic Pizza. Don't worry, lover boy. We got one for you with extra anchovies. After school today, the Breakfast Club will be selling, like, snacks for their fundraiser. They're going to have Reese's Pieces, Pop Rocks, Cheese Balls, Hostess Pudding Pies, and these new things called Fruit Roll-Ups. And they'll also have um, both Tab and Slice by the can. Our Fighting Mogwais will be going head-to-head with the Hoosiers tomorrow. So remember Coach's rule, never eat after midnight. So I've got like one lost and found announcement. Tawny Katane has lost her white snake, uh, she thinks, over on Elm Street. So if you find it, please call her sister, uh, Jenny at eight six seven five three oh nine. Finally, for those of you who signed up, remember this afternoon is Dr. Ruth's exploratory health seminar. Thank you, and have a totally bodacious day. Go Mogwais! Okay, Ben, let's not delay. We are off to history class to talk about forts. Yes, now let's get into it. The 13th, 14th centuries. Tell me about Gothic and Crusader forts that started this wave of childhood nostalgia. Well, Ben, did you actually realize that (laughs) the term Fortnite originated during like Roman Empire days when the soldiers would get together and they'd get like rattan pieces, they would get ottomans, they would get quilts, and they would have a little slumber party. Did you know that? And that's what's called a Fortnite? That's a Fortnite, true story. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is a Fortnite? Tell me you looked that up. I mean, it's a, it's a, it says it's a British term. So two weeks, Fortnite. Two weeks. There you go. I mean, history is a little different in this. We're not really going to get into necessarily the history of making forts. But what I wanted to look into is developmentally... What is our proclivity to want to make forts? What makes it, I mean, what we've learned in this research, what I've learned is that this kind of behavior happens for kids across the globe, cross-culturally. And there's some really great reasons why. So Ben, I found a website called Fort Magic. What? Fort Magic. Come on now. What do they do? What is their, what's their thing? (laughs) I mean, it's the magic of forts. What they did tell me were 10 reasons that kids build forts. And they say kids will discover their inner engineer while learning through play. Fort building gives kids hours of entertainment. Kids may find a new career path. Fort building requires imagination. Fort making is physical play. Kids learn cooperation while learning through play. Fort building shows that hard work pays off. Parents can play along. Fort building enhances creativity and language development. And duh, fort building is fun. Yeah, duh. I feel like number, the last one's the most important one. Obviously. But if you think about it, there's like a lot of benefits to this. And I love the, the engineering aspect, the imagination aspect, and of course, physical play. Kids need to move. Particularly in schools now, kids are often, it's all intellectual. So they're sitting still. And now we have like chairs for kids to get movement because they're not getting recess as much and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we, we all... let them take our recess. We can't let them take the forts. That's the last straw. They may take our recess, but they will not have our forts. So there's much more I can say about why kids love building forts. And as we like to do sometimes on this show, we like to consult the researchers. We want to go Mm. to the experts. Are they poetic researchers? I'm afraid to say they're not going to stand up to (laughs) Dr. Neil. That guy set a high bar. What can I say? He really did. We're never going to get back to Dr. Neil. But these guys have like great jobs. So first is David Sobel. Professor Emeritus at Antioch University's Education Department. Mm. He's also the author of a book called Children's Special Places, Exploring the Role of Forts, Dens, and Bush Houses in Middle Childhood. Bush Houses. Yeah. Which I'm going to assume is maybe a type of fort in other parts of the world. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this guy has been doing research 
on the developmental function that forts play in children's lives, and again, across cultures. And he says they are universal, driven by a biological genetic disposition as children develop a sense of self separate from parents. And I think that's a key piece of it, right? Like this is your world you get to create. You have control in your little life where you have very little control of things. This is the one thing where you can say, this is my world. Yeah, no, I get it. I apologize. Like I went down a very short and shallow rabbit hole. What do you think comes up if you Google Bush House? Hmm. I mean, the term honestly makes me think of like Australia. Oh, like the outback. Yeah, some place where it's like remote. It's not like lush green, but there's bushes or shrubs or whatever. And that kids can kind of utilize the natural landscape to like build a thing. Am I even close? No, I really appreciate where you're going. Uh, No, it's where all the places George Bush has lived. It's it's just a bunch of articles of where George Bush has lived and has houses across the country. Wait, for real? That's what the Google search is? I swear to God, it's the the first 10 results (laughs) are just articles about the Bush family homes around the country. I guess that is another type of bush house. Okay. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Sorry. Okay. So. Yeah. Sobel says, hey, look, kids begin building forts indoors around age four. And then usually around age six or seven, they start venturing outdoors. And that's when we get those structures out in the woods, out behind the house, in the backyard, wherever, where now it's like, okay, I'm going to use some found materials in my world and construct something that's maybe a little longer lasting and sturdier than just that pillows and blankets thing I made inside. And he says that this is where the structures, they tend to be built more independently, right? And this can continue on into like the tween years of uh, childhood. And so it's almost like a stepwise progression. Again, he sees this kind of all throughout his research. And he also says that, you know, really metaphorically and physically, building forts reflect a child's growth as an individual. It's their home away from home, again, free from parental control. And he says they foster creativity. As we learned from fort magic, a lot of magic happens inside is what he says. Fort magic. (laughs) So some other interesting things that Sobel went on to say is that all forts have common traits. What do you think some of those common traits might be, Ben? Ooh. Walls. Okay. Uh, a roof. Okay. Things someone is hiding away. Like a, like a treasure trove of little things the occupant or builder is valuable to them. Okay. Anything else you can think of? A battle axe. Uh, no, I, have, I got nothing else. Any thoughts on like maybe common traits about why they're made or how they're made? Oh, interesting. Um, well, we had in the survey how they're made. Pillows, you know, found materials. Like, these are kids. They can't go out and buy, like, hey, mom, I'm going to go to Home Depot. I'm going to be back. I'm going to pick up some plywood, some two-by-fours, some screws and nails, and wood glue. Don't worry. I'll be right back. Like, I mean, so I did that. I don't know what your childhood was like. Is, but it's stone-cold lie. I was going down to Home Depot all the time. <laughs> so it's it's just whatever you can find lying around. That yeah. I think you can. It was get a little. Wood- it was little Chris and just a bunch of independent contractors just like walking <laughs> through Home Depot. So found materials. Sorry. <laughs> so found materials. You said. I like picturing you guys questing like the Hobbit, and there's just eight little kids walking around, but in like full contractor outfits, like yeah. tool belts, and oh, they're yeah. me- you're measuring, measuring tape, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting on shoulders to reach stuff up high. And I'm like, the hey Gary, back again. Yeah, Treehouse is a real nightmare. Um, <laughs> These two by fours are looking a little warped. Do you have another batch out back? Okay. All right. I need some shelving units to put away some Fritos. Uh, you have anything? So that, oh my God, I love that picture. Um, so found materials, whatever's lying around, okay. whatever you can get away. Like it's almost like a brownie sort of pilfering the house at night. Like if I can sneak this pillow away without them getting mad, this mm. would be good. Okay. Um, so That's how they're Thievery, made. thievery. Yeah, some thievery involved. <laughs> And then, yeah, I, I think there's sort of this idea that it creates like a safe space as a mm. child, that it's this cave, this den of comfort. And you made it, right? There's like, like this pride of like, I own this. I did this. <laughs> That's great. So you hit on a lot of these. Woo. Sobel says they are handmade. They are somewhat secretive. Mm. And this was a great thing that I totally identified with, but hadn't thought of specifically. You can look out, but others can't see in. Oh, sneaky. So true. I remember when I would make forts 
if there was like a blanket that didn't quite cover a corner, I was like, yeah. I'm exposed. Like you had to have it closed. And again, I had the control to kind of like peer out, but people could not see it. I thought that was like a, a great piece of it. It's early on training for retirees who want to be on block watch in the neighborhood, like peeking out the blinds. Peeking like, hey, out the those, blinds, keeping a what <laughs> neighborhood are those kids watch. doing out there. Yeah, it's good. Uh, he, he says they're safe physically and emotionally, as you mentioned. Mm. It's a place where you want to be just you, observing mm. but unseen. Mm. And again, these are common traits in his research he's seen the world over time and again. Okay. And there's a lot of uh, research right now that forts are perhaps more important than ever at this very moment. We don't like to talk about the pandemic on this show very much because we want this to be a fun space outside of that. But I just thought it was very timely because the idea is that now more than ever, there is this intense need for personal space when Mm. families are all home together all the time. Yeah, no, I have to admit, I, I, we came onto this camera and I was like, hey, I built this fort for this show. But the honesty is, this, this has been up for 11 months in the basement. I come down here, I, I play Switch, I disconnect Switch and I play Switch on the floor down here by myself in my fort once in a while. It's great. I love it. You know, I hadn't really thought about it, but we're all indoors now. And of course, now parents aren't going to work. Uh, kids are schooling from home. And everyone's in everyone else's space all the time. And there's also a lot of uncertainty. And so now more than ever, there is this need for that safe space. Emily King, who's a child psychologist, she said in quarantine, all our needs are amplified. And so I don't know if you've, how many Zoom meetings and calls you've been on, but they're exhausting. Oh my God, they're the worst. They're so exhausting. Again, little kids who just want to move, who now, and social interactions are a big part of developmental learning, and they're deprived of that. Some of this felt like we could talk about in chemistry. You know, we're talking about developmentally where this inclination comes from. But chemistry, I'd really like to talk about our experiences and our listeners' experiences making forts. I'm ready to go. I just need to know, is there a password I need to give to be allowed into the fort chemistry? There is. Are you ready for it? Oh, okay. I had a guess at it. Oh, you have a guess? Yeah. Go for it. You got it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. The first two two utterances of Sledgehammer get you in to second period. (laughs) Okay. Chemistry. Chemistry. Yeah. So now, like I said, I want to get into talking about like, what are some of the like epic forts that we made as kids? What are our experiences with it? Ben, I created what I believe, memory-wise, are my top three forts. Whoa, that is extremely specific and impressive. Do you have anything similar? Well, I do have a breakdown of three, but I I tried to break it down by the three different settings in which I built forts. That's great. But I don't don't recall like a specific epic uh, fortress. Okay. But you had like three, like you said, three different types or variations. Okay. Yes. What are your three variations? Uh, Home. So indoor indoor forts. Yep. Snow forts. Mmm. And forest forts. Nice. Yes. All right. Did you have any that you actually constructed that were semi-permanent? Because like a pillow fort's going to be deconstructed. A snow fort's going to melt. Your forest forts, were any of those like semi-permanent? Were you like nailing things together? and We were binding things with twine. And like um, vines from the forest. So some of those lasted. I mean, I can't say they were habitable or uh, useful, but they you could see them or where they had been for several years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time. Several years is quite a long Absolutely. time. I mean, it's not the McAllister family treehouse, but it's No, still, it is not. That's impressive. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, what was your number three most epic fort? I'd have to say, now this one's... Is the only outdoor example I could really come up with. Because when I was a kid, mostly when we were outdoors, it was about exploring. So it wasn't like creating a base of operations. It was like going out into the world. Get on your bikes right away. Run through the woods or whatever. But at one point in my life, I lived in the country and we had an old chicken coop. Oh, God. No. Oh, God. That... For a time, did not have chickens in them. So let me just be clear. Because if you've never had chickens... There's something you right. need to realize about birds. Right. They're the dirtiest animals on earth. Oh, God. Feathers. 
the duty, everything. They're loud. Birds are just a ruckus. Are you sure that this wasn't a punishment that you've turned into play? Like their family wasn't like, Chris, go out into the chicken coop and you had to go play in all this bird. No, because listen, yourself? this is what it was. It was, you have to understand, it, it almost looked like a miniature house. It had a door. It had a window. And for a time, there were no chickens in there. Plus, it even had like a little chicken door so you could like crawl through it. Stop it. It was a fun little spot and I had some okay. neighbors. And so we would make that our base. I called it my little deuce coop. Stop it. Because the double entendre, the deuce, like lots of chicken poop. Yep. And of course, she's my little deuce coop. You don't know what Instead I of got. a coop, it was a coop. Oh, it's good. I like it. All right. <laughs> That's pretty creative. That's pretty good. That's pretty I didn't good. call it that back then. I just, I had to name all of these three for this purpose. And I was like, oh, little deuce coop, of course. Because uh, oh. once, once chickens did move in, there's just duty everywhere. No, you're not going back to that fort. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Like, what was the purpose of the fort in your creative play? Like, what did you use the fort for? The kinds of fort I made the most were indoors. And often it was either like at a friend's house, we would like take over the living room and see what we could come up with. Or in a bedroom, particularly bunk bed specific. Um, Got it into bunk beds. But um, I made some of them by myself and it'd just be like kind of a getaway, right? You just kind of, you crawl in there. It's your own little space. Whatever you want to do, you want to read a book or, you know, I think I even fell asleep in them sometimes. Like, but it was just like your little spot or like I had action figures and I'd play with them in there. Right. Stuff like that. Or if like my friends and I built it, then often we were like doing some kind of make-believe thing. Like we were exploring or, you know, this was like our base of operations or something like that. And some kind of story-based thing we were doing where we're heroes or bad guys or you know whatever you want to call it yeah 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 okay is that similar for you or different yeah i found the purpose of the fort was very different based on its setting Mm-hmm. for sure indoor forts i found upon reflection were mostly used to make sets to play with my action figures within ah uh, yeah so it was like the sewer for the ninja turtles it was the fire in my brain it was the firehouse of the ghostbusters right or much later on, it was the visitor center for Jurassic Park. Right. Whereas outdoor was much more used as pretend play. Those those forts that we built, not necessarily way up in the trees, but low to the ground or on the ground, we would pretend play fantasy a lot like uh, Chrono Trigger or like uh, The Hobbit later on. Yes, they were bases of operation for Jurassic Park. Right. <laughs> you remember in the, the Lost World Jurassic Park, Ian Malcolm has that, it's that cage that goes up and it's like the hideaway or the high, the high hide. It's called the high hide is what Eddie Carr calls it. So it's kind of like, you know, you could be up in the trees and scope the dinosaurs down below kind of thing. Everything for Ben ultimately will transition over to Jurassic Park. It all, it all eventually goes. It all goes Jurassic Park. (laughs) Wait, since we're talking about the materials, is there, there was a survey question this week about what people, what stuff people use to build their forts with. Yeah, we pinged the class of 80s high and we were like, have you built forts? What were the common materials that you used? And did you look at the results? No, I haven't. I haven't peaked. I love surprises. What do you think the top response was? Uh, Probably like pillows. Pillows or sheets, like blankets. Yeah, blankets. Blankets were by far the most. Pillows were big. Snow, also big. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was another one. And two by four nails. So there was actually, you know, some other constructors in the, in yeah. the bunch. Oh, really? Some Home Depot guys. And more more people contracting at Home Depot, you know, like you do when you're seven. <laughs> uh, here's a great one: the blood of my enemies. Did anybody click that? No, no one did. Oh, thankfully, I'm gonna say thankfully, our class came through and did. No one responded to that. That was a zero percent. We're trying to be inclusive, so I wanted to give an opening for everybody. I love it. No, it's great. So snow. I like this one to start with because it's such a rare occurrence. Because you need. An immense amount of snow to build a fort, and it's rare because not everybody in the world gets snow, and it goes back, we mentioned earlier, like, snow days were the bomb. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I grew up in a neighborhood that was um, subdivision, basically shaped like a plus sign, three of which ended in cul-de-sacs, and then the one went down to the four-lane road that en- ended in. And when you could get a week of snow, when those snow plows came up in the neighborhood, they would make mm. mountains in the cul-de-sacs. That's where oh, they yeah. gathered all the snow. And I'm sure as an adult, looking back... That sucked, especially if it blocked your driveway. But just like trying to navigate around a a literal, like, okay, I was little, so I have to try and like take this into consideration, but like a 15 foot high mountain of snow in your cul-de-sac. Easily. So we would go there. And what I recall is like, there wasn't a lot of pretend play. 
it was just how much of Swiss cheese could we turn this mountain into? Like, how much could we tunnel through without screwing up someone else's tunnel? And just that was really it. It was more like creating leaps and bounds. Like, it's just a, a climbing gym. It's not really pretend play. Right. But I always remember, and I'm going to ask if you if you know, that, uh, that the parents were always so scared that it would collapse while we were inside mm. and we would die. I mean, condensed snow is really heavy. When For it sure. packs down, that's not a that's not an unreal concern to have. So I went to the internet, and so we know everything you read on the internet is true. Obviously. But I did find a Wikipedia page about snow forts. Oh dear. And it had a section about deaths in snow forts. Oh my goodness. And there have been two deaths of children in snow forts in the recorded history of building snow forts. Now that doesn't mean that there haven't been a lot more, they just never made the news. But if you think of the millions of snow forts that have been built over the centuries by children around the world, we've got two kids who didn't make it. Uh, so build carefully, build smart, put in support beams. Uh, but, you know, I would say go nuts if you get a snow day on snow forts. Did you ever build snow forts? Was that a thing? Support your local Lowe's or Menards or Home Depot. <laughs> Save big money at Menards. So we didn't often build snow forts. We would go out and play in the snow. We'd do like, you know, your, your standard stuff, your snowball fights and just kind of rolling and jumping around in it. Sledding when we weren't always near hills, but when we were, obviously that's probably the top one in my opinion. But I remember one particular snowstorm where it just created, like, along this fence line, this snowdrift to cut from the wind. And so it made, like, this natural pocket underneath. Mm. And so we kind of hollowed it out and sort of dug in there a little bit. And it was really fun. But like you said, it's extremely brief. And it may have even collapsed. I mean, it was nothing significant. But you were working with, like, plowed snow, which is a whole other animal. It was great. That's not drift snow. That stuff is, like, packing material. It's one step away from concrete. And it's almost like, you know, we did Gremlins last time. So, like, Gizmo's knocking on the box and, like, the Gremlins are knocking back. You would definitely do that. Like, if you were both tunneling at the same time, you'd, like, be knocking, like, hey, are you above or below? And you're like, da 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 And you could, like, poke through in someone's tunnel. But you had to make sure it was coordinated. Because if you burrowed into a friend's tunnel and you had not been invited, they'd be pissed because you just ruined their tunnel. It was a big thing. There were a lot of geopolitics inside the ice mountain. Were you guys like on Hoth tunneling through the yes. uh, icy corridors? <laughs> and we said, if this thing's going to collapse, we got to cut these tauntauns open and crawl inside because the only way we're going to make it till dawn. It was just, you know. I need like to that. clarify that Chris has not edited an audio from <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back. That is his impression. That is a very good impression. I'm here all week, folks. So <laughs> You can do two things, tauntaun and Matthew McConaughey. Or you just crush it. <laughs> Hey, I had a good Peter Gabriel, if you don't recall. <laughs> that's really, that's really, I thought that was him. That's why I didn't sign it. That's and Casey Kasem. <laughs> Casey's Kasem. So you said your your main building site, though, was indoors. Yes. Tell me about your indoor forts. Right. The one that I remember going back to the most was I would visit my grandparents, usually on like a weekend. And in the living room, my grandmother, she had an old folding card table. And then she had these old TV dinner trays. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. 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 So she had TV dinner trays. And what I would do is I would line them up. So it's like in a row. And then I would just like surround them with the couch cushions. And I would put blankets over them. And that was my little getaway. And I would just hang out in there. And she'd be sitting in the same room, like, you know, watching show, doing her crosswords, whatever grandma was doing. And I would just be in there, whatever I would wanted to do, read a book. Or the other thing I like to do is pretend I was driving a truck. I had some fascination what? with driving. I really wanted to drive when I was a but kid. But a truck of uh, race cars, helicopters, airplanes, oh. submarines, you just went like trucking a box full of uh, toilet paper across the country. Yeah, that was your dream. Or buses. I was also really buses. fascinated with driving buses. And I huh. try. I tried, I remember trying to find something in her house that looked like a steering wheel that I could get. Uh. I wanted a steering wheel so bad so I could pretend like I was driving and I'd make like a little gear shift. Yeah, that was like a big deal to me for some reason. I was obsessed with driving. So that was another thing I did a lot in there. You know, you brought up a topic that I uh, I forgot about, but I'm sure other people can relate. It's like, yes, you have, you have your main building blocks. You've got the couch cushions, you've got your blankets, but there are always like a couple things where in your brain, you had the shape or like what the thing was supposed to be, and you had to go on this quest around the house to find the perfect thing. And I'm sure our parents lost their minds as like something really important went missing. That they I don't need. know how they put up with us. <laughs> 
no, but you're so right. There was like a, right, I need the steering wheel for my bus. Aha, this perfect china plate of my mother's in the cabinet looks like a wheel. I'll go use this. Right. I'll get this expensive pot to use to weigh down the sheet so it doesn't fall. But, you know, one false tug and it's going to topple over. Absolutely. You might break this vase. Totally. In my basement, my, my you said TV trays, my main uh, thing, we had an upright piano in the basement. Mm. The door that comes down over the keys is a great pinch point for a blanket. Absolutely. And then you could pull the bench really far back and then put the blanket over that under the legs of the bench. And you've got most of your fort built right there. I use that a lot. And I always thought I was being really clever and sneaky because I would like, I remember I would open the case a little bit and tickle the ivories a little bit. Yeah. To be like, oh, they think a ghost is playing the piano. They have no idea. Like, they'll never figure it out. But that's some of that kind of ingenuity that you had to have, right? You're like, yeah. okay, well, I need to get something that's heavy. What around here is heavy that I won't break and get in trouble? But I want to be able to weigh this thing down or I need to create, like you said, that pinch point for the sheet or whatever. Like it was just a lot of fun to try to do that. And, you know, sometimes you fail. Sometimes it was great. Oh, yeah. I do want to talk, though, about bunk beds. So Uh, my favorite, favorite one that I can remember was this bunk bed mansion. So what? Bunk beds are obviously perfectly constructed for a fort. You throw a sheet over the side. You're closed in. Maybe you want to sheet down the front as well, you know, so you, you're fully closed off. But it's like you have all the materials right there. It's soft. It's cushy. You got pillows already. Throw a sheet. You're inside. Boom. Done. Boom. But at this one point in time, there are four of us in one bedroom. And we had two bunk beds. Oh. So what we did is we hung the sheet over each, you know, the side of each bunk bed. So you had kind of like your two rooms. And then we created this like common room and we had a like a queen or king size sheet that stretched across the room over the top so that mm-hmm. the middle in between was fully covered as well. And then we created these other walls. So we basically turned the entire room into Megafort. I'm picturing all of you like in a like overly complex little like gerbil habitats you can get that have like the <laughs> Like a main big room and then tubing going off and like there's a little like all the colorful connectors. Yes, yes, and you're just clear plastic. Yep. Mm -hmm. These four kids just spiraling all over the room around these bunk beds. Oh my god, sounds amazing. And I remember another one we did. There used to be these tunnels that you could get. It was like some kind of. It was almost like a giant slinky, but it had like a plastic thing. I can picture that. Yeah, yeah, like an expandable tunnel. And I still remember. I think it was at my cousin's house one time. They had one of those. And we tried to create a way to go from the top bunk down to the floor using one of those tunnels. No. I don't recall it turning out too well, but... (laughs) When was the first time you free fell eight feet to the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Head first, like you do. Yes! It's trial and error. It doesn't always work. (laughs) Now, I never pulled off anything as cool as the mansion, but I I forget exactly when my parents got it for me, but I had a T-shaped bunk bed. And the T-shaped bunk bed was awesome because half of the lower bed, yeah. you already had three walls. Right. So yeah, you just had to pull the upper bed's blanket down and you had a small little cave. And I love that. I, d- I never really played with people in my bedroom. Like that was, my bedroom was really like my space. We played in the basement or outside. Right. That was just like my place to like curl up with a Game Boy or have some snacks. Or as we talked before, to watch in horror uh, Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries on my little television. <laughs> But yeah, the bunk bed was clutch for making forts. Those T-shaped ones are especially great because you've just got so much to work with already. Yes. Before our moms yelled at us to go outside and play, do you have any more inside fort stories to tell? No, I think we've covered it all. Let's head outdoors. Ugh, so forest forts is what I'm going to call them because we weren't good enough to make them all in the trees. It was a huge part of my childhood. So like I said, suburb, dead end in three cul-de-sacs, and it was entirely surrounded by forest. As a kid, it felt like it went for miles. Right. But as an adult, like, if you really worked on it, you could hike out of the forest in two of the directions within probably 20, 30 minutes. But in one direction, that sucker went for a really long time. I mean, 20, 30 minutes is still a lot, especially for like a kid. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of ground. And so at the end of one cul-de-sac were four friends all, well, I guess three at the time, three friends all close together, Brad, Andy, and Matt. And that was the cul-de-sac that dipped deepest into the woods. And we used Andy's house as a launch pad. So you go down the hill from Andy's house, and um, we spent a lot of time exploring a creek. So there was a creek you could run along, and mm-hmm. we'd go looking for crayfish and fossils and that kind of stuff. 
But there was this flat area on the bank of the creek that had a lot of trees of different sizes and trees, big trees that had fallen down. So you had the logs. And that for years was sort of where we would build and rebuild and destroy and sabotage and rebuild all these forts that we would use logs that we'd roll and big tree branches or smaller ones. And, you know, when you look back on it, they're lean-tos, really. It's like branches over a log. Right. Later, that actually came up a lot. I was a camp counselor for five different seasons at, at summer camp counselor. And I remember one of the activities we, we would do with kids is, is um, you have, there's a kit you have to bring out to the woods. They're like, you're all survivors of a plane crash. You all have like 20 minutes to scavenge from the wreck what you think you need to survive. And then us counselors will grade you. There was like a proper rubric and stuff about like survivalist training that we had to go through. Wow. And whichever kids got the stuff to make a lean-to, which is basically a tarp and some poles, they get the highest score because shelter's so clutch. Right. So we were making those lean-tos. I remember we also sort of made like a council of Elrond. We made like, uh, we pulled like big stones out of the creek and made this circle of chairs, basically. Uncomfortable as all get out, but it's this circle of stones that we would sit on and like have council. There were a lot of things that went along with that. Like, none of them were good enough to sleep in at night. Like, these aren't the cool movie, TV show forts. Like, they were sort of a base of operation of, like, we start here, gentlemen. And then you go off into the woods and fight whatever you were there to fight. Right. I do remember one summer, uh, Matt came back with a real broadsword from a Renaissance fair. And that sort of made him the lord. <laughs> I'm sorry, of a, that real, a real sword. A re- like, a with sharp. With an actual metal sharp blade. Yes, and we used it oh to cut God. sticks to make the forts with. <laughs> So we're, we're kids who are like 10 in the woods and like, oh, they're having fun down there. Meanwhile, we're like, kill it! And we're like hit, slashing this sword. I'm just into imagining, yeah, stuff. kids playing around, swinging a freaking broadsword. Oh my goodness. So dangerous. Oh my God. I do very clearly remember there was a proper treehouse back in a different section of the forest mm. who belonged to the older brother of a friend named Craig. And this was like some Stand By Me stuff, where if you went anywhere near that treehouse, you would get murdered. Mm. Like, you know, he was like five or six years our senior. And that was like, those are the big kids treehouse. Right. And they will execute you if you go anywhere near it. I remember being very scared of that treehouse. Absolutely. They were sort of a launch pad for us to go have adventures. So like a really big thing. Uh, my buddy Peter wanted me to talk for 45 minutes on this episode about, which I, I don't think we can fit in. But um, we were pretend playing Jurassic Park in the forest. Some guy was hiding on top of a, a ridge. He was digging, pretending to be a raptor, and sand came out from under the dirt. And so we spent that summer digging away the dirt. We discovered, and I still to this day know why, but it was a massive hill with all sand under about maybe six inches of duff and leaves. Oh, interesting. And there just happened to be a vine hanging down at the top. So we would swing... <laughs> And then, like, literally free fall, like, 20 to 25 feet through the air into the soft, powdery sand that we dug out. That was a magical summer. The sand pit was a huge deal. Wow. It was also a big thing, what we called the Wooster Pike hike. So if you went really far enough, you'd find horse trails back in that forest. And you could hike, I think it was almost like an hour. It was over an hour, hour and a half. Through the woods, bunch of kids, bunch of 10-year-olds. Totally different time where these you could go off and do this. Right. But we'd go on this mass hike, and eventually you would hit a road. Sorry, you would pass a mansion that was way at the end of the field that we all had made up in our minds was the guy who owned our neighborhood. And you could hear dogs barking. So we always thought there were these guard dogs that he was setting at us. And then we'd all like psych ourselves up and run from the mansion into the woods. Right. But eventually you'd hit a road and we could find our way back along the road. We would hike along a four lane, 40 mile per hour road back to our neighborhood. It was great times. Yeah. The only other kind of outdoor thing, and I hesitate to call it a four, but we kind of used it as one is I, when I visited my friend, again, this is when I lived out in the country, his parents had like this really big tent. And so we set it up in the front yard kind of as this base of operation. I remember pretending to be, I know at one point we always did this like newscaster show. So we were doing like a newscast from inside the sport. Do you have audio of this? Oh gosh. I might actually have some cassette tapes of it. Really? I, I really think I do. Oh my God. For some reason, I was very uh, enthralled with being a newscaster and just reporting news stories. And we do the weather and we do the, you know, the different kind of segments and whatnot. That's amazing. With different characters. And they were usually a play off the local forecaster or anchor's names, but it'd be like a 10-year-old's idea of a no. funny knockoff of their name. That's awesome. It would be like, instead of like Dan Rather, it'd be like Dan Blabber or whatever. And then it'd be, you know, Stop the character it. would just talk way too much. You know, it's something like that, right? 
That's good. Just using that tent as kind of a getaway. Again, we didn't go off into the forest anywhere. We're literally in the front yard. But it was our little space, and we could do in there what we wanted, which was always just a great time. So I am kind of curious, though. Does this have any bearing on adult life? Do we just sort of drop this and go along, or does fort building still kind of stick around? Well, as good researchers, I think we have data on it. Data. Data, as they say. We have some data from our listeners, and uh, not surprisingly, I found some other data as well. But I am famished. I mean, do you know how long it takes to find what you need in Home Depot? I'm exhausted. Ben has labored all day to create his little getaway. Yeah, this was a lot of work. Pop open that secret stash of snacks, and uh, I'll catch you on the other side for contemporary culture. Woo! Let's do it. King's Castle Airport Cosmic Fleet Voyager, sold separately from LEGO Systems. So my idea for contemporary culture was like adulthood. If the history is us as kids, this natural proclivity to make these spaces for ourselves, does that still exist in adulthood? Ben, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go with a hard yes. Says the man in a fort right now. In a fort right now, living the <laughs> Confirmed dream. Confirmed adult. <laughs> Confirmed adult. So the more like soft, squishier part of why I think forts still pay off into adulthood, A, is the resourcefulness of it. You had a picture in your mind, you're like, I need a steering wheel. What in this house could become a bus steering wheel? Right. The creative thinking, the out-of-the-box thinking, and the resourcefulness of like making something with just what you have at hand is big. So I think that plays off a lot going into the future as an adult. I think socially, it's a super big deal growing up. Because like I said, I most of my forts were built with a community. Mm-hmm. Like I had friends over and we would build a fort in the basement or like it's a snow day and we're all going to pile on this thing. And like I said, like you have to negotiate if your tunnels are going to connect or not. Right. And these forts that we had in the woods, you know, we were all building them for a purpose. Like, hey, we're all going to be I don't know, fantasy world adventurers. So this is going to be our commune. Who's got what? You're the blacksmith. Okay, you go build the blacksmith thing. I'm going to be the Fletcher working on the art, the arrows. I'm going to build this thing. So I think it builds on a lot of critical like community uh, negotiating and like harmony and teamwork. That's really interesting that you talk about the social activity of making forts because I was kind of thinking of the personal reasons for it. And again, it's that your kind of sanctuary, your getaway space. What I immediately thought of when I thought about adulthood was this, <laughs> well, there's this term that came to be, I don't know, within the last 10, 15 years, I would say, for adult men who just want to retreat away. Do you know what that term is, Ben? I have many items in my house in storage that are labeled for future man cave. There it is. All right. <laughs> yeah. When we were kids, I don't think the concept of a man cave existed, right? Mm -hmm. We were the kids who made forts a lot that now in adulthood, we want to still create our spaces. And so there's man caves, there's she sheds, there's chill chambers, there's a nook, a sewing corner. You know, if, if it's not even like a full room, it's just a space that is yours to do your own. And it's kind of your retreat and getaway. And... For anyone sharing a space with anybody, whether it's just one other person or you have kids or siblings or who the heck ever, whole families, people need that space that's like, this is my retreat, this is my getaway. Whether it's for a specific activity, like this is my hobby nook, or I just want to be away from you. I can remember when I was hunting for my first house, I had it in my head that I, if I could find a house that had a room that I could use as a pillow room. I was going to be so excited. <laughs> this would be a room with no furniture. It would just have pillows all across the floor. Stop it. I would have lights strung up, music or whatever. And then like if friends came over, we could just like go up there, hang out in the pillow room, chat, okay. have a good time. It's like a total retreat. I So I, we're going to do a little imagination here. 
Okay. You've got a party. You've got a group of friends over. You're sitting down in your entertainment room in your living room on the first floor. There's been some drinks, some snacks. There's the music going in the background. Walk me through how you introduce the concept of and lure them upstairs into your pillow. Okay. I just feel like you've set me up (laughs) in the worst way possible. Like, this is the creepiest setting. Oh, talk yourself out of this now, Chris. Obviously, you have robes that are, you know, loosely fitting. <laughs> Massage oils. Like, what do you want me to say? For crying out loud. So, Or do you host a pillow room party? You're like, you guys want to come over? I'll have you know, all my friends that I told about it thought it was a fantastic <laughs> idea. They just loved it. So, But you've set me up as like a murderer, luring people. You watched too much, too much Unsolved Mysteries as a kid. Oh, my God. But, you know, it also got me thinking, too, like... And again, I don't know how long this has really existed, but like people will pay to go into like deprivation uh, oh, yeah. tanks, right? Yeah. I even think like weighted blankets or even in a more extreme sense, a panic room, right? These are all like oh God. Kind of safe space. Yeah. 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 Get me out of here. I also, again, did a little research and there was some interesting talk about cold weather when you're indoors and it's cold out and you want to be cozy. Oh, yeah. This nice, warm, cozy, comfortable space. Even as an adult, like maybe you and your spouse or someone you're dating, you just cozy up on the couch, have like a fun little date night or movie night or even like an adult slumber party. Well, I've got two things for that. You were joking around at the start of the show about feng shuiing your studio setup. It is a legit philosophy we practice in our household that we try to work on. Huga. Huga, yeah. There's this Danish concept making something warm and comfortable and welcoming. Yep. And you know, we, we live in the Pacific Northwest, so we've got six to seven months that are just gray and cold and wet. And for those listening who haven't heard of this, it is sort of a home philosophy of how to make a welcoming, warm home. So it's it's a lot of like soft and textured blankets and pillows that are just big and pushy. You've got candles all over the place. It can be really elevated by like what you're cooking. So you've got a crock pot going or something's baking that's making the whole place sell sweet. Mm-hmm. You've got a nice mudroom to take all your clothes off. And then you've got clothing that's big and oversized and plush and warm. Like the Huga, it sounds weird up front. And I'm telling you, get on board with the Huga lifestyle because it just makes you so comfy and happy. And you're not saying Huga, like Huga. Not Huga. Like <laughs> Which you might. This could go hand in hand. Not here to judge. You do what you got to do. There's Netflix and chill and there's Hooka right. and Hooka, So <laughs> H-Y-G-G-E. There are a lot of books and videos out there to get you up to speed. Uh, it's wintertime right now as we're recording this. So get into the Hooka life. I'm telling you. It's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what I had on my oh, really? uh, notes here. Absolutely. I find myself sometimes when it's cold, like I just want to like surround myself in blankets and be really comfy. And it's really fun. It's kind of so, nice. It's funny to say that. I've got two more things about adulthood and then and then one more thing about treehouses. So, you, adult, you know, it's about creating this safe, comfortable space, like you've been saying over and over again. And I asked my partner, I was like, hey, so do you have any memories of building a fort? And she goes, I remember the last fort I built. Oh. It was in grad school with two of her nice. best friends that she re- was renting a house with. That's great. And in the living room, she was trying to recall it best she could. There was no impetus of why they wanted to build it. But this one weekend... They stretched blankets from like a ceiling fan or a ceiling light and then just came down kind of like a tent all around them, kind of like a cone. And then they just sat inside to just watch movies. She's like, I just, we put pillows on the floor and we just wanted a comfortable little space to like watch movies and hang out. So I'm so good. It's so much fun. Oh yeah. I mean, with adulthood, I mean, you see legit tree forts out there that are like glass in the windows. They've got a door, a proper ladder. Like an adult helped a child build that for sure. Adults are still out there, like, loving to build it. And then, of course, Animal Planet has the TV series Treehouse Masters, where it's, like, professional architects and, con- like, people <laughs> in construction are building these incredible, like, multi-million dollar treehouses. It's basically, like, the tiny house sensation, but magical. What is it? Swiss Family Robinson. What's the one where they're, like, living off in some tree fort somewhere? It's just, like, what a magical place. segue to the final thing I wanted to do. Okay. Now, you might not recover this because this is a very a bit of very nostalgia-laden episode, but we are largely a pop culture podcast. So I went back into my brain and then double-checked on the old interwebs. Famous forts from pop culture. Mm. So I'm going to go through this. This is going to be kind of a rapid-fire thing because I don't want to waste too much time on the show. But I'm going to tell you the, the, the movie. I think these are all movies. There might be a couple TV shows. Okay. And you just tell me if you've seen it. Okay. 
And if you remember the the fort and if you have any sort of take on it. This is great. Let's do it. Right at the top, like you said, in the 1960s, Swiss Family Robinson. Never saw it, but familiar. Okay. Uh, and also in the, say, in the decade, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I think I read part of it. Don't remember okay. a fort. Yeah. The daughter's got a tree fort in that. It's good. Okay. Uh, all right. This is, there's, some of these are debatable. 1983, Ewoks, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, arguably not a fort. Those were their homes. They just happen to live among the trees. But any kid wanted to live there, let's be clear. Right. Live in the dream. You're like, oh, my God, they get to live in the trees all the time. Absolutely. Uh, 1986, Stand By Me. Absolutely. You mentioned that one earlier. Epic tree fort. Don't forget the secret knock. And then they're like, Vern. Oh, yeah. Vern. Oh, love that movie. Love that movie. Every movie's got a Vern. Uh, 1987, following year, The Monster Squad. Not even familiar with that movie. Oh, I'll just highlight that for a later episode. Right, Meow. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's part of Universal's whole like thing of like the legendary monsters. So like Mummy, uh, Dracula, okay. uh, Wolfman. It's like that, but meets the Goonies. So it's a bunch of kids who are trying to stop these monsters from all getting resurrected. Hmm, okay. It's a blast. Uh, okay, this is kind of a stretch. March right. 23rd, 1987. The first publishing of the Transmogrifier in Calvin and Hobbes. I never was a big Calvin and Hobbes reader, okay. so... So the Transmogrifier was like a giant cardboard box that he had turned in this machine that could turn... He, in his imagination, could turn himself into anything. Calvin oh, okay. was very big on imagination. Not really a fort, but still a repurposed thing for imagination. I thought it was kind of close. Yeah, I think it fits. All right, we're leaving the 80s. 1990. Roll Dolls, The Witches. Didn't even know it was a thing. Gonna highlight that one for later... <laughs> For a 90s violation? For a 90s violation. Uh, 1991, there are two here. Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> the Halloween Ernest movie. They're in a big treehouse. I will tell you, I, as a kid, for some reason, loved Ernest Goes to Camp, where yeah. they don't build a fort, but they build a school bus catapult attack oh, machine yeah, for sure. crazy thing. Yeah, but I haven't seen Scared Stupid. Ernest P. Whirl. We're going to have to get into that. Um, and then Hook. In the same Wait, year, there's another Vern. It's another Vern. It's another Vern. Two another Verns Vern. In one show. <laughs> Who could have anticipated that? Hey, Vern. And then uh, Robin Williams Hook. All the lost boys living in their tree forts. Indeed, yes, yes. Uh, 1993, two movies Dennis the Menace and The Sandlot. Sandlot, of course. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the fort in the Sandlot. I just remember them being at the baseball field. I mean, that's where most of the movie takes place, is the baseball right. field. I skipped over because you already mentioned, but of course, 1990, Kevin McAllister, Home Alone, penultimate scene where he cuts the zip line into his fort. And then Jack, 1996, another Robin Williams finds himself in a tree fort. Jack, the movie where Robin Williams is an adult, but he's a kid in his brain, oh, but he has an adult yeah. body. Never saw that, but okay, I remember now. Uh, and now let's get into the modern world. So these are a lot of So Sixth Sense, there's a very creepy fort. Yep, that's uh, right. That's an indoor four. Fort. That's an indoor one. The first one I think we've come up with. Of course, Stranger Things pays a lot of homage to the fort. Uh, oh, because yes. the, the friend who goes missing to the Upside Down yep. has a fort. And they use that to find him. Step Brothers, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. Never have you seen this it. movie? Those two do a lot of pairings of comedy together. And they build a fort as adults. Uh, and that's where they bond. Two more. Okay. You like horror, don't you? I sure do. Did you ever see Hereditary? I have. I mean, the culminating scene is in a treehouse. How do you feel about that? I could do a whole podcast about my disappointment with a movie that was 90% on its way to be great. And then they just destroyed it. But, just went uh, off the deep but end. But yeah, it, it does indeed end in a, a treehouse. I agree. I agree. I'll say, I'll um, say and that Last much. but not least, we are going to have Macaulay Culkin come back. This is about child actors trying to reinvent themselves. Good That's son. The good son. Very, oh. yeah. Nicely played. Wow. He's Good got son. a treehouse in that. And then he last sure but not least. Does. Oh my God. Speaking of nightmares. In the, <laughs> in the wonderful experimental world of Daniel Radcliffe attempting to reinvent himself after Harry Potter, he did a movie called Horns. Okay. So I've seen a picture of this, but I don't yes. know anything about it. Basic plot is... Um, He's a good guy. He's got a good girlfriend. The girlfriend ends up dead at the beginning of the movie, and it's a mystery of how she died. And Radcliffe starts doing worse things. He's entertaining his dark side. And in the movie, he actually starts to grow real devil horns that get bigger and bigger. It's like an evil Pinocchio. It's the I was going to say, this is sounding very Pinocchio. 
Yeah. Besides like one really traumatizing scene near the end, it is a largely very interesting movie. Hmm. But there, there's a lot of play around because the girlfriend had a treehouse that she had grown up in. There's a lot that happens around the treehouse. Well, that's great. Thank you for doing some Fort Duty. That is one thing I did not look it up to see where it shows up in pop culture. So you have Boom. saved the show in that regard. Always here to help. Are we ready to kind of see how this all adds up? Yeah, for sure. Let's head to math class. Yeah, so building forts, is this a necessity of human comfort or is it, Ben, an emotional crutch? Is it an inability for us to leave our childhood behind? We are forever lost in the abyss of our childhood. I ask you, sir, reporting live from your own fort. I mean, this is Are you stuck in permanent adolescence? I might not go upstairs after this is over. This is pretty (laughs) nice in here. I just got to get a little fridge down here. This is great. I'm just saying. You're getting to some hard-hitting podcast questions now. (laughs) Necessity of human existence Can we let our childhoods go? Well, I think those are two good questions. I think one, no, it's not a necessity. Like, shelter is a necessity to survival. Building a fort, no. I did have the beautiful moment last week. I was folding laundry in my son's nursery, and I just put him in the laundry basket, which besides the crib and the bassinet is kind of his first my own little place. And he was liking it. He was kind of exploring. He was kind of like grabbing the clothes. And he put his fingers through the holes and stuff. And then I draped a blanket over the top of the basket. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he's like scared or what's going on in there. So I didn't take off the blanket, but I peeked through the holes. And he just had this huge toothless gaping mouth smile on. <laughs> and he was like touching the blanket above him. And then I would, you know, I'd lift it up and yell peekaboo. And he would just giggle and love it. And I was like, I think... And I didn't say it, but my partner said, like, oh, you you made him his first fort. Yeah. And this is before we even selected this topic. And I was like, wow, this is so great. I am loving to having this moment with my son. This is so cool. So while it's not a necessity, I think for all the reasons we said about um, creating somewhere safe for yourself, being creative and resourceful, learning to work with a community and to collaborate, I think – Building forts and using them in a variety of ways for children is monumental for growth and early childhood development. Absolutely. So obviously I asked the question to be a little silly, but um, in some of my research, and I forgot to mention, you know, all of this stuff I've been finding that sounds very researchy besides Fort Magic website was from an article in Washington Post. So the three people that they had kind of talked to for this article, uh, all the experts had agreed that forts nourish parent-child connections. Uh, But they really say under one condition, and this is kind of important to them, that children must be in charge, that parents can help build or enter, but only if invited. Don't mess with their forts. Don't take them over, alter or dismantle them. If it's tolerable, then let them go to town and be safe and comfortable and have a good time. That's a really good point. You know, so if you're listening and it's chilly right now and you're an adult... (laughs) Throw your cares aside, dive back into the childlike wonder, start going crazy, build yourself a comfy fort. But if you do, we insist that you email us the password because we want to come hang out. (laughs) Send us a photo at 80sidepodcast at gmail.com. We want to see your awesome forts. I really hope people send us pictures of their forts. That'd be amazing. That's going to be so exciting. Is there anything else we need to cover, Ben? Well, there's always just one final thing for every episode. Well, indeed. I guess I meant before we get to the the (laughs) most important part. (laughs) No, we covered everything. I love it. It made me uh, excited for forts. As I posted on our Instagram, it made me more aware of forts. And I saw a couple out in our neighborhood Mm. that I hadn't really noticed before. That's right. We got to experience them. And I love that there's still a thing today. All right. We've come to your favorite part. Tell me, what can I expect next episode? One of the things we talked about that we really wanted our show to be was a bit of a variety show. When you said the topic of forts to me, what came to my brain was the forest, because that's where I spent so much time. I was in the woods a lot. I was outdoors with friends. And I was like, well, we need some variety. What's something indoors that I was by myself a lot that I could talk about on our podcast without the explicit tag having to add that on? And where I really settled, what was the opposite of that community fort building for me, was the exciting introduction in 1989 Mm -hmm. of the Nintendo Game Boy. Oh! Yeah. 
Game Boy. The oh my first gosh, that major handheld oh. video game system. That screen. You can just that, picture like, it. Digital dot matrixy kind of screen. You can see it right now. Muted green and gray. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Nice. Uh, so next time on the show, okay, get your hands together, pull out your plastic gray cartridges, uh, and flip it to on because we're gonna go check out how uh, Nintendo started the whole really the handheld gaming sensation. Did you have to blow into those cartridges sometimes? You could, and it's still it's hotly debatable if it worked or not. But you know, it's it's what you choose to believe. Yeah. So blow into your cartridges. <laughs> Even if it's a placebo, it's going to help at least soothe your mind and know that next time you hit on, it's going to start. Heck yeah. Well, I encourage all of our listeners that by the time this show comes out to have hopefully gotten their Game Boys up and running and they can listen to the podcast on their Game Boy if they, if they can figure There's that no out. There's no excuse. Go to eBay. Go buy one. Cost is no issue. It's, <laughs> it's for a good cause. It's for this show. Like, you have to be all in. It's beautiful. Listeners, we love spending this time with you. We hope you enjoyed it too. And we cannot wait to be back with you again on 80s high thanks everyone for listening to 80s high podcast by ben and chris our theme song is by greg reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by chad bumford show artwork is by alex goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com if you like the show please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class also you can rate us five stars on apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor stay radical <laughs>